Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to a Friday edition of the Believe in Blazers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. This will take us through the weekend. I'm Brian Wheeler. We had such a great response the other day to our uh, discussion with our old friends, Mike Barrett and Mike Rice. You know them more informally as Mike and Mike. Uh, But we had so much to talk about with the fellas that uh, one part was not enough. And so, after a great uh, conversation the other day, we have much more to discuss with Mike and Mike today. And this part two begins with uh, the question to the fellas as to whether or not they think LaMarcus Aldridge is deserving of having his jersey number 12 retired by the Trailblazers and put into the rafters of Moda Center. The Wild One is the first to answer this particular query as we get into part two of the Mike and Mike Believe in Blazers podcast. Hope you enjoy it. LaMarcus did a lot for the Blazers. Uh, it was kind of unfortunate where it, the way it ended uh, that season that he decided to leave the Blazers and the Blazers contract talks, whatever it was, but, uh, LaMarcus did a lot for the Blazers. Uh, and I'm and I, for compare him with some of the other guys that are in the Raptors. I guess he does deserve his number to be retired. MB. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think people were really critical because the team got so excited after that 77 championship. They retired a bunch of numbers and, and, and you know, deserved. But I think, and some teams do that. You, re, you have different qualifications for what means that a number gets retired. But, you know, as far as a Roy Aldridge, yeah, that was an important time in this franchise's history, you know, because people forget, you know, the first few years that that Mike and I were doing games, I mean – we're talking about Sebastian Telfair to Hasun Shin for the jam. I mean, that was it. That's, that's, that's and, and, and Richie Fromm in the corner for a three. I mean, oh, and, and, and yeah. those were days where you, you'd go out on a six-game road trip. We had to be creative. Trip. Oh, geez. You'd go on a six-game road trip, and you'd be down 15 after the first quarter of the first game, and you know you don't have a shot in any of those games. So my point is – we lived that for those years and then come Roy and Aldridge and it was just magical. Um, so in terms of importance of when they got to the franchise, what they did for it. Um, yeah. I, I kind of think so. I kind of think, I kind of agree. I kind of think his, his number should be hanging. So who deserves it more if it could only be one Brandon or uh, LaMarcus? That's tough, but that's probably, I mean, it's Brandon. I mean, just based on what he what he did and his outward, um, you know, Brandon was, LaMarcus was good. You know, LaMarcus was, I think, I think LaMarcus is a sweet guy and I think he has a great heart. Um, You know, had a little more difficulty with the media, Um, not, not in terms of being critical. It just wasn't as comfortable for him as it was for Brandon who could have run for office, you know, probably still could. He just, that's just how he is Um, so much more outgoing, but um Man, LaMarcus was as pure as it gets. And and I I don't watch much. I, I see some things on social media now and then. When he retired, I I just I did a post to him and I watched some of the highlights. Uh, a lot a of very nice highlights. I years. very nice post. Yeah. Well, and I you know, I remember him and I remember I remember talking to him and after we would do an interview, because that's back before we had a sideline broadcaster. And so I would hop the table and go to the interview on the road. Um, well, Marcus was always very concerned about how he did in those interviews. And I'd get on the plane that night and, and he'd always kind of give me a, or stop me in the aisle on the way back to the back. And we would talk about his interview. And 
I, I got to know him well through that. Not maybe not as well as Brandon, but I, I love Lamarcus, and I think that man, he did a lot for this franchise, did a lot for the city. So I'd love to see the numbers hanging up there. But let's hope it doesn't have to be one. But if it is, I mean, it's probably number seven. You think so too, Wellen? What's that? You think so too? If it has to be only one, Roy over Aldridge? Oh, I, I would have Roy over Aldridge. Uh, yes, I think Aldridge, you know, deserve is a deserving guy to have up there. But if you were picking one, it would be Brandon Roy. Uh, he did so much on and off the court. Uh, you know, it, it's a shame. Uh, one of the things I wanted to see happen was Brandon Roy come back and really see how the fans missed him and. Uh, how they adored everything that he did for the Blazers. So Brandon Roy was really special in my eyes. All right. So uh, here's something almost, that uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Almost like, almost like a guy named Dame Lillard. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> almost. He's, yeah. You know, there'll be no talk about whether he should be up in the, up in the uh, hall of fame with no. the Blazers or not. I think that one's fairly, fairly academic. I agree. Uh, so, MB, here's a, a question that uh, I know that you've gotten asked many times over the years, probably even more than, than I, uh, but I'm curious what your answer is. If somebody comes up to you and says, hey, what is Mike Rice really like? I mean, can, give, me a, give me a story, give me a go-to story that would illustrate to somebody who maybe just has heard the name and doesn't know the person or the personality, <laughs> uh, what story would you go to of the many that you could choose from? To illustrate Man. what Mike Rice is really like. I have one in mind, but I'm going to let you go first. Gosh. Unless you want time story. to think, and I'll go first. Whatever, however you want to No, no, it. no. Uh, no, I mean, um, I, I got asked that by a lot of Blazer fans who knew Mike. I still get asked that, Mike. I'll be at Costco or I'll be at Fred Mayer, and somebody will walk up, and they'll, they want to talk about stuff, and they'll say, where's Rice? What's he doing? And <laughs> they always ask me. And then some of them say, what was he really like? And I said, dude. He's exact. If there was ever anybody who, who kind of uh, had the market cornered on just just um, authenticity in in terms of exactly what you are on the air as you are off, that's mm -hmm. Rice, mm -hmm. and I think that's a huge compliment. And I think probably one of the most secure human beings I've ever been around. I still remember we went. We were. I used to golf. Back when, I don't know, back in the day, early on, before we were partners even, we I used to golf with he and Kathy all the time. We'd play everywhere. And one time, and Kathy and Mike, you had to see him on a golf course. My gosh, that you pay for that. Kathy's Just a character going, in her own right for those oh, who don't going know. back and forth. And 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 so one time, <laughs> Rice, you know, always shops for golf paraphernalia on the golf channel late at night. So he always had some kind of thing he's wearing and <laughs> could be something on the head. <laughs> so at this one point we're playing at this course and it's, it's a slow play day and everybody it's all backed up. There's like five groups and, and rice has this vest thing on, which you snap your arms to both sides is in order to keep your arms in, but you don't wear it while you're playing golf. You wear it at the driving range. Anyway, he's playing, he's wearing it on the damn course and he gets on the tee box and everybody's looking around. They all know who he is, but they're going, he's going to wear that contraption while he's playing. And, and, and he hits and he like, 
duck hooks hit 40 yards and he's swearing and his arms are all caught up in this, this, this spider web thing he's out on. And Kathy turns to me and says, that is one secure man. And I still remember of all, cause he didn't give a crap what anybody thought, which I loved, but of all the comments or of all the moments in time that described him, that was a number one for me. And it doesn't have anything to do with the NBA or a game or anything else, but that was the, that was the watershed moment where I said, that's it. That's the term. She nailed it. She nailed this moment where he's walking off the tee box and everybody's laughing and he doesn't give a crap. He's wearing the, whatever the, he, he got it from watching golf channel at 2 AM. That's probably a number one for me. People talk about having bucket list, uh, items that they, they want things they want to get or achieve or something before, uh, before they're, they aren't around or are too old to achieve it. And, I, I thought of this idea years and years ago. It still hasn't happened. I still am determined that it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen someday. And I'm going to do everything possible to make it happen because I think it would be a, a magnificent uh, event to attend. I think it would sell out in about 30 minutes. I think if a charity could be involved, that uh, they, would, they, would, they would benefit greatly. So if anybody knows of one, hit me up on Twitter at, at Blazer Wheels and maybe we can put something together. But a Mike Rice roast to me would just be, just, just be a <laughs> fabulous event. Because among other things, unlike a lot of roasts where you got to make up stories to kind of, uh, for humor's sake or something, you would not have to make up stories to fill an hour or more of a, of a Mike Rice roast. And one of the many that, that I would have that I would tell at the event, uh, there was one time where uh, I was doing morning reports on our flagship station at the time, which I believe was KXL, and uh, I had seen Scotty Pippen. I think uh, maybe it was maybe we were somewhere else the night before. We're going into Chicago uh, the to play a game that night. So I'm doing a game day preview, and he'd hurt his elbow or something. And Pippen told me on the bus, he said, "No, no, I'm I'm going to play. I'm going to play. You know, tonight." And I guess there was some uncertainty after the game the night before whether he would or not. So I tell, um, I think it was Jay Allen's hosting or something, and I tell him that uh, you know, hey, I'll give you a scoop. Start to Scotty on a you know bus last night on the plane, whatever it was. And uh, he's going to play tonight. And, and so apparently the team had not released that information yet. And so I remember there was, there was a lot of complaining <laughs> with me internally about, well, what's he doing? You know, we, we get, we have channels that you know, have to do this properly or whatever. And uh, our, our, our old PR director, Sue Carpenter, who you could probably do a roast on too. Um, she, you know, she was most upset about it. So she complains to our old friend, Harry Hutt, and he decides as punishment for releasing privileged information on a team vessel uh wasn't the first time or the last time by the way <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh that i'm gonna get punished uh, and have to show how valuable um you know that 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 mode of travel is so i'm gonna have to take a commercial flight to a couple of road games coming up in texas and i give i give the wild credit he didn't have to do it but he said well i'll go with you then and i'm thinking I didn't, I didn't know what I did to deserve this. Cause he could have stayed. He didn't do anything wrong and he could have stayed on the plane, but he said, all right, I'll go with you. So we're going on a Southwest flight. I believe it was from, uh, it was from Portland to Houston, I think, or something. And so, uh, so they make the usual announcement. Anybody needs any extra assistance getting out, <laughs> getting out to the plane? Uh, you know, anyone coming with small children, anything. So I see him starting to pick up his bags. And he's starting to get in line, this line. I said, what are you doing? He goes, oh, no, those bins start filling up, you know, with luggage and everything. You got to get on sooner. I said, what are you going to do when you get up there? And he goes, watch. And so he gets up there and he says, he points his knees and 
knee surgery last week. I, I need some extra time. <laughs> and he carries it out to the fullest. I watch him. He starts limping down the runway just in case anybody's turned and looking at him. But as soon as he turned the corner, he gives me a wink. He starts walking normally onto onto the plane, putting in. And I will say that I was on some some commercial flight that next summer, and it was jam packed. And I said, "I'm gonna try this," and it worked. It worked. I mean, just because he did it. I mean, but it was it was so. I said, "How does one conceive of this?" I mean, you know, just just even, you know, what when when do you think about it? How do you how many? I mean, he he was a pro at it, so I know it wasn't the first time he had ever done it. But I said, that's that's Mike Rice in, in, in a nutshell right there. I mean, that's, uh, you know, and the only other thing I, I, I mean, many other stories I can tell, but you mentioned golfing with Kathy. When I first got here, uh, we went out and, and I never have ever golfed in, in close to you guys. I, I never I didn't grow up playing it. I picked it up way too late in life. I think they're any good at it. Um, but we were playing, uh, I think, the three of us. And Mike was trying to be encouraging. Uh, I think we we're, were about halfway through the round, though. Um, and I had a long putt and he said, I got a feeling this one's going right in the hole. And Kathy, Kathy steps on and says, based on what I've seen so far, I don't think there's any chance of that. <laughs> and I, I said, and that was my first exposure to Kathy Rice. And I said, she's as honest and, uh, you know, and, and open as, uh, as, as, as her husband is. That's for sure. That's why the two of them are very entertaining, almost more like brother and sister than, uh, than, than husband and wife. And I know MB, you sat, you sat in many an aisle on a plane listening to, to the wild one have a phone call home to Kathy. And, uh, and I know you couldn't hear necessarily what Kathy was saying, but you could probably envision it based on, based on the wild one's response uh, to, to, their, to their phone calls, which were very entertaining in their own right, even if you could only hear half of that phone call. So, well, uh, it was always very, very efficient. It was always, yeah, Kath. <laughs> and then it would be a few minutes of, well, damn it, I don't know. And then it would just, off and then the phone ring back what <laughs> cap i don't and, and hang up and then he go back to his movie and newspaper and just no big deal and and she wasn't mad it just was no, the, it's just no, the way they no. did things uh, but, loved it <laughs> but i remember when he had the um when you had that one <laughs> surgery while one right one we it was after a season ended sooner than we thought i think and so you had some, it was uh, for your sports hernia. That's what it was. Your sports hernia. Our careers ended sooner than we thought. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But your sports hernia, I remember I took you to the hospital for the surgery. I said, where's Kath? Well, she went, uh, she went on a trip with, with, with one of your kids because she had had that plan thing. And we were still going to be in the playoffs at the time. And I said, uh, aren't you going to call? I think, I think it drove, drove you home. Aren't you going to call her? Eh, I'll let her know tomorrow or something. So, so kind of like, you know, and, and is I think you guys have have always had one of the more unique marriages ever. How many years now for you and Kev? Uh It's in the fifties. <laughs> <See, no, it's... laughs> you knew you wouldn't know that. I'm not sure she would know that. Would you know you, that? <laughs> the reason I should know it is on our 50th wedding anniversary, we thought, our 50th anniversary, we invited all our children and grandchildren and down to Florida. And we had a big 50th anniversary, wedding anniversary. And it, it cost a lot of money. We had a lot of fun. And I got back to Portland and one of my good friends, Greg Daniels said, uh, what'd you do in Florida? I said, well, it was a 50th anniversary party. He said, when, when were you married? And I said, 62. He said, 
then that was your 49th, <laughs> not your 50th. And to this day, I have not told my children or grandchildren <laughs> that they actually celebrate number 49 instead of number 50. Oh. So you're right, please, Abby. Please tell me you really didn't try to have another one the next year, though, did you? Another party. You didn't try to have another one on, on the actual 50th, did you? You could have invited people that just didn't come the, the, the previous year. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Uh, now, Wawan, would you, would you, do you consider yourself to be officially retired or would you work again under the right circumstances? Oh, I'd always do basketball. You know, I wouldn't do anything else because uh, life in Florida is very easy. You, you get up and it's the sun's out and everything like that. But, uh, it wasn't a job to me with the Blazers. It really wasn't. It, it was part of having fun. You're going to an NBA basketball game. And uh, uh, I, I, would, I, I don't think I would have enjoyed this year because you couldn't travel. You, you couldn't do away games. You did games. I did, uh, MB and I did a couple of uh, summer league uh, in the studio. And uh, although we did it rather well, because of MB's uh, getting everything together the way it should be for a summer league game. Uh, we did that back in the Portland studio and I didn't enjoy that. And I don't think I would enjoy this year, not traveling with the team, not being part of the wins and losses. I mean, we were really family and it, you had that feeling of when you lost, just the team didn't lose, you lost also. So, uh, I don't know if I'd have enjoyed this year, but uh, yeah, I, I jumped back into the uh, fray. Yeah, I remember telling you, telling you guys, MB, uh, don't do too good a job because we. I, I don't want anybody to think that maybe that was, and I was crazy to think of at that time that that could ever be a way, a regular way of calling games. But it's become that, obviously, with the pandemic and, and so forth. Do you think that uh, maybe when people talk about going back to some semblance of normal, do you think that it's possible that uh, calling games from a remote location might uh, might be the normal once uh, once we get past the virus that uh, maybe some some uh, budget folks have seen how much money they're saving by not sending uh, uh, not sending broadcasters you, and broadcast crews on the, the road. You said the magic words, Wills. Budget. You said the magic words, the but budget people. Yes, yes. Uh, they'll look at hmm, they, you could save some money, and they sound pretty good. Hardly anybody knew that they yeah. were in a studio doing the games. I think they're terrible. I, I watch the tennis matches now and uh, they're talking in the studio and, they, and half the time they're, they're not quite sure what's going on at the actual event. And uh, I think you miss a lot, but I think we're going to see a lot more of uh, broadcasting from studios, not the actual uh, site of the event. You think so yeah, too, I, do, I, do, I do too. I think, you know, when you look at like uh, Formula One and the Olympics and a lot of the soccer in Europe and stuff, I know a lot of that stuff is what we call a backbench feed, which is you call a game from somewhere else. And um, yeah, I, I think in, I, I, like Mike, I mean, you miss a lot and that would be a challenge to do a whole season like that. We, we you know, we did those summer league games for a couple of years on the backbench feed like that sitting in the, and we would come back to us on camera and um, I don't know how they do it now, if they do that or not, but, and, and we would say we were there and, and multiple times it would show us in the studio. And then we would be the next day I'd be at the store and somebody would say, what are you doing? I thought you were in Vegas. I was like, no, 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 we're doing the games from here. So they just still didn't know 
that you weren't there. But in terms of like, you know, and I think of, I mean, yes, the times at the Rose Garden slash Moda Center, some of the games we did, the crowd going nuts, those were awesome. But I know Mike will agree with this. When we would go like to, to Utah and beat the Jazz on their home floor, or we would, we would get a huge win at Dallas or in San Antonio or Chicago and, or an unexpected win on the road, and then you'd go back to the bus with the team and you kind of had to have that private celebration or at least that um, where the fans weren't cheering for you and you were, you angered the whole arena. Those were pretty special times to sort of think about doing games where you weren't in a place like that. I mean, I know wheels, you love that stuff, you know, just, just being somewhere and just spoiling the night for, <laughs> for that crowd and, and, and doing something, you know, the most excited I ever heard you was, when the Blazers pushed the Mavs to seven games in what, um, 2002, maybe? Maurice um, Cheeks era. Maurice Cheeks, when they're down yeah. 03 and forced to game seven. But that win in game uh, game five, I think in Dallas. Yeah, Rasheed, Rasheed had a couple of shots in front of a guy who was giving him heck all night long. Oh, and you were just, you were just, you, you were on, that was the happiest I ever heard you. And look at that guy. And he, get that smile <laughs> off your face and, Look at the two fat guys in the front row and those guys go home and, and you just, and I don't think we got that. It was different, different at home, but the road games, um, there's something special about. It. And I think it, you, you'd really miss, and it would take a lot away from the broadcast not to do games in those environments where I don't know if we're going to see those again anytime soon, but those jam packed, yeah. hot, sweaty arena on the road with fans on top of the court, man, those are special times. Yeah. I am curious to see what will happen. Going forward, um, we uh, also have uh, a few more folks that contributed uh, via Twitter to uh, to uh, talk to you guys. And uh, David wanted to ask him be a question. Uh, can you ask Mike if there's a future drop dead date where the baseball, the PDX group would say, okay, it didn't happen. Uh, we're out. I hope that uh, doesn't happen, but can they wait forever? So I guess he's, he's looking in some ways for an update on where things stand with uh, with a very concerted, and uh, I think the most complete in all the times I've been here, most complete effort to bring Major League Baseball to Portland. Well, it's 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 going, and we are. It's what I do every day. I mean, I know we don't talk about it, but it's we're we're nearing it. We're, you know, to answer that question, it's hard to say, but that t that time will definitely come when it's like now or never. We're not there yet. Um, these are long processes, and I know it's frustrating, but that's one thing we've had to kind of because you want it now. Um, but there's some good things happening. Um, and, you know, we, for lots of reasons, and I know it's frustrating to some, they're just things that we cannot talk about, but there could be, if all goes well, some exciting news coming up at some point soon, not necessarily meaning we're, we've reached it, but this is all about milestones. Um, could be some coming up, um, hanging in there. I mean, I, I know it's frustrating and there's a lot of people that don't believe uh, that it's gonna happen or they're very cynical about the effort. I would just tell you that we are doing our best. Uh, it's been a fun ride and um, we've got a great team, talented team. I love the guys that I'm doing this with. And um, if we, if for some reason down the road, years from now, we're not successful, it will not be because of a uh, lack of effort to be sure or lack of connectivity or because uh, we're doing everything we can. It's nonstop, but um, it's been a promising time, especially the last couple of months. Well, I want to get your thoughts on the current NBA playoff situation. I know you still follow the league uh, very strongly each and every day. So, Well, please. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Wheels, 
the biggest game of the year, and you hear that so often, is this Memphis game uh, tonight. Uh, Memphis has beaten the Blazers twice uh, uh, last week, and uh, uh, Durant, uh, Morant, uh, had uh, 33 points. I think Lillard had 27 that game. I think if the Blazers aren't ready for this game uh, and they lose to Memphis tonight, I think they'll end up in the uh, 7-8 playoff play in game. The, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, the play-in tournament. Uh, they'll, they'll beat Memphis there. Uh, I don't think they'll catch Dallas if they lose tonight. Uh, they'd, play, they'd end up playing the Clippers anyway if they caught Dallas in that sixth spot. So, uh, and then I think they'd end up playing Golden State, which would be in the 9-10 game. So I think this game with Memphis really is big. And, and if you look at uh, uh, the uh, what the Blazers have in store for them, I think if they win this game tonight and they go on and it can catch Dallas and end up in the sixth spot, I, I think everything will be forgiven about this year and maybe didn't live up to the expectations. But if they lose this game tonight and have to go into the play on tournament, I think you're going to see a whole lot of changes in the Blazer roster and, uh, and things to come. So it is a really big game tonight. Uh, they couldn't contain the great young point guard Morant uh, in the last two ball games. They should have something special set up for them tonight. Uh, I really hope they double team them a lot more on pick and rolls. They get back into stopping the fast break because they gave up 42 points against Memphis the last time they played. So this is really a big game for Stotts and the team. So, you know, it's, should be really exciting. It's a shame the announcers aren't there on site to be part of it. But of course, there's hardly any people at the games now anyway, because of the virus. But th- this is a big one right here tonight on where the Blazers will fin- finish uh, the year. They only have 11 games left. It's the third most difficult schedule uh, in the NBA. So, but you never know who's going to play their players. Uh, the Nets going to play anybody when they play the Nets, the Celtics. They lose to Oklahoma City the other night. Oklahoma City had lost 14 games in a row. And so you don't know what the Celtics are going to do when the Blazers go on that road trip later on after the, uh, their three-game home spreads. You don't know what the Lakers are going to do when they come in here. So it's tough to predict what the record will be. I think they'll win about six or seven of the remaining 11 games. I hope that's enough to catch Dallas. If they don't, the play-in tournament might be exciting. You, you never can tell. Everyone says you don't want to be in it, but that may be the most exciting part of the Blazers' season this year. NBA-wise, who are your favorites to uh, get to the finals? Well, who are your favorites to get to the finals? Oh, I thought you were talking to MB. I'm getting uh, back to him, but I wanted, know, but I wanted, you, you were hot. So I, I like the Nets. <laughs> I like the Nets a lot. Uh, you know, they, they haven't played together. Harden hasn't played with the other two. Uh, Kyrie Irving has really played well lately. And, and uh, with Durant coming back, I have a feeling they're going to get through the East. 
and I think they have a great shot. It just depends on the, the Lakers and how uh, LeBron is. It, it, can he come back? He usually does come back at the end of the year and plays well with Antonio Davis. But uh, I don't think the Clippers are there yet. I think Utah and the Suns are going to play a big part in it. They're number one and two. And I'm glad the Blazers don't have to play them in the uh, in the playoffs uh, because they're two young teams that are, are for years to come. You're going to see Utah and the Suns do some special stuff. But uh, right now, I think the Nets are going to win it all. MB, I know you tweeted about uh, your alma mater, Oregon State. They're a great run in the uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, do you pay much attention to the NBA these days? Uh, I don't. Um, I, uh, you know, I always want great things for uh, the Blazers. I, I certainly watch the NCAA tournament and uh, watch the Beavs and, uh, and the Ducks. And, and how I, Mike, how, how, Rice, how about the uh, men and women from both schools getting in the big dance? That was pretty cool, huh? Who was that? Oregon and Oregon State, both men's and women's programs you. making. Yeah, I was talking oh, about the NCAA I tournament. I didn't miss one game. I thought it was great. Uh, as great as they were this year, it, it, you thought the Ducks would have been that great the year before with that great team, and then the virus ended the season. But I thought both the men's and the women's Beavs team really did well for what I thought they would do at the start of the year. So uh, exciting basketball. Yeah. It, it, basketball is not quite as big here in Florida. It's the seven-on-seven seven high school football that they have in the spring draws as much attention as sometimes college uh, basketball here in Florida. They're into football. Uh, the, they, you know, every high school has their spring practice. And so, uh, uh, and now they're into the, Merle, uh, uh, the Miami baseball team a little bit more because they're doing much better. That whole Eastern division isn't a good one, but uh, Miami has a chance. They're one game below 500. So I do follow the baseball down here. I like the tournament all the way up until, uh, uh, the Beavs beat uh, Loyal of Chicago, my alma mater. But, uh, yeah. but I, I was I was impressed with with, yeah. uh, with with that with that victory and uh, and at uh, Loyal of Chicago's coach jumped after after that one. So I must have thought thought uh, I got to get out of here. This is a, this is a, this is something that uh, I can't I can't compete with the Oregon States of the world. So I got to get out and go to Oklahoma. Right. So Terry Stotts is happy that uh, that his alma mater gets him. But uh, uh, now I leave you guys with one final question, and it comes from uh, Tad on Twitter, who says. What do uh, what do Mike and Mike miss most about their time with the team? As you look back, hopefully able to reflect uh, positively as much as you can over uh, uh, an ending that shouldn't have shouldn't have been an ending. Uh, we we certainly all believe that and always will believe that. But um, but what do you miss the most about your time with the team? The eleven years, especially that you guys were together. Uh, MB, I'll start with you. Uh, well, you know what? I mean, I'll tell you. Or a wild one. We'll start with you. Just like a just like a broadcast. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, uh, MB mentioned something earlier that I miss probably more than anything else. Uh, we used to go down there, the three of us, and watch practice until they said goodbye. <laughs> no more watching <laughs> practice and everything like that. But I used to enjoy. You could tell that if the team was ready for the season when we went to preseason, during the season, it was always 
because I coached for 20 years, I missed the coaching part, but I didn't miss it when I could go down and watch practice. And uh, so I, I really missed that with you guys sitting there uh, criticizing and, uh, and just enjoying that part of uh, the NBA season practice. Yeah, uh, that that's you know that's that's cool. I think I and I did like that. I think that you know, you, of course, you miss game night. You miss being courtside, the excitement. You miss the road, as I mentioned. But um, man, kind of the relationship and the fans and uh, Mike and I. You know, after home games, there'd be a bunch of fans that would line up wanting pictures and stuff. A bunch. And they go, the, the line would be up to the concourse of people that want. Well, and, and meeting all of them and hearing their stories, and I'll even get that once in a while. I'll be out, and somebody will come up with their phone and say, "This was nine years ago, and look at our little girl then, and Rice is holding her, and he signed her <laughs> back or something, you know." And 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 it was those things and those relationships were so fun and so cool, and just to know that. Um, in some way you were making a difference and you were, and I'm not even sure that I appreciated that fully when I was doing it. Um, but then now to have people like I'll meet people uh, and there's a guy I know who owns a business and he's like, you were, makes me feel old, but he's like, I grew up with you guys in my living room and you were just a huge part of our lives. And I, I, I guess I knew it then, but realizing it now it's like humbling, but it's, it's, um, those are things that nothing take, you know, nothing will take that stuff away, but I guess it's those relationships and the ones with you guys and the great time that we had at home and on the road and on the plane cutting up after, you know, you, you go through war. It was your second family, you know, you're just some eight game road trip and it's middle of the night and rice is up bitching about the steak, not being, done right and looking or for picking up extra sandwich to take with him uh, fill his know. bag with chips and sandwiches those are those are great times those are great memories and you're landing in detroit and it's minus 15 and you know those are th those are fun times and that those are that's probably the thing i miss the most there's a photo i have and uh it's uh one of these days hopefully soon i'll have a book coming out i would like to talk uh, even more in it about Days with the Blazers, uh, they have some restrictions on how much I can talk about that, but there will be a photo on the cover and uh, probably will also be shown on my uh, Twitter site promoting uh, this particular podcast, but it's of uh, the three of us sitting on a bench in the practice facility just yucking it up, and it really was symbolic of a lot of the, a lot of the days we had. I don't even know what we were talking about. It didn't matter, but um, we just... Uh, just had you know had a lot a lot of great times, a lot of uh, reasons to laugh and smile, and uh, and, it, and and as Wallen said earlier, it it, it meant that uh, it wasn't a job, and that's the best uh, existence that you can have in uh, in any form of uh, of employment, that's for sure. And so, um, you know, I, I think uh, I think a lot of folks, uh, I certainly I I hear I hear all the time, you know, have, have you talked to Mike and Mike, and how are they doing? If you have, and I'm glad that we were able to do this podcast um, the last couple of days since this is the end of part two and uh, to be able to uh, give everybody a um, kind of a little idea of what you guys are up to today and also to kind of, uh, you know, bring everybody back, uh, bring some great memories back to some folks that maybe uh, maybe had forgotten some of those. And, and I was, I was happy to relive those with you as well. So I miss you guys terribly and I uh, wish you were still part of everything here or that I was a part of everything somewhere with you. So, so, um, MB, uh, can you assure that, uh, for opening day for the, uh, for the new baseball squad that, uh, you get rice and ice and bleacher sheets or something, uh, for, for, for the opener. 
Oh, yes. Uh, maybe box seats, hopefully uh, behind the dugout or wherever you want. Wouldn't that be great? That's what we that those thoughts and those visions uh, are what keep us going for sure. I'll come back thank to Portland for that. Yeah, I know. I definitely you will. Um, but no, thanks for doing this, Wheels. It's been too long and I love you both dearly and your family to me, both you guys. And a lot of the fans are, too. So um, certainly miss a lot of a lot of the fans and you guys as well. So thanks, Wheels, for, for doing this. No, it's my pleasure. We could have done it even longer than this. Hopefully, we'll have you guys back uh, back on sometime soon in the future, as uh, as maybe we have some more news and things to reflect uh, back on. But uh, while well, now you said you come to Portland for a uh, uh, opening game for a Major League Baseball team, which we all hope will happen sometime soon. But I do still have your assurance that if I can put it together, you will be coming to town for a for for a roast of yourself. For what? You will be coming to. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't hear that. Will, will you be coming to town? Will you promise me you will still come to town if I can put it together for a roast of yourself for charity? I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> now that would be after all these years of trying to do it. I finally put it together. He says, nah, I'm not that interested. I don't think I want to do it. <laughs> Let me put it this way. My neighbor is standing out there holding a pina colada. So this show's not going to go too much longer. <laughs> I was going to say that probably right now sounds a lot more inviting. Well, that's a, that's a great, as great a way to end things as, a, as possible. Mike Barrett, Mike Rice, Mike and Mike. Uh, uh, we thank them so much for being a part of the Believe in Blazers podcast, the last uh, two editions. And uh, I think we're going to have a hard time topping these the rest of the way, but we'll do our best on Monday to get you with the start of a new week. We'll update the Blazers road trip and uh, look ahead to the rest of the regular season. But thanks uh, to the fellows for joining us the last couple of shows. And uh, thanks to all of you for listening and uh, taking part of our, in our podcast. And we'll continue to try to have some great guests. I don't know if we'll uh, be able to top these, but we'll do our best the rest of the way until then. Uh, when we reach you again on Monday, uh, have a great weekend ahead. So long, everybody. Thank you for listening to believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.